how I long, how I long to touch my people yet again. How I long to lay my hand of healing upon them. And I long to put the fire of my word in their heart. Yet again, I long to raise them up from an enemy camp. I've done it many, many times. And I will do it again. Don't be weary in singing. Don't be weary in standing. Just reach your hand. I will touch you. like this, we ought not to be looking forward to heaven, because <laughs> it's going to be a lot, lot, lot more intense than this in worshiping our God, our Savior. It's humbling to stand here in his presence. It really, really is. Before I get into my message this morning, I want to greet you with a delightful psalm. If you would turn to Psalm 37. This particular psalm tells us clearly how to live. And if you wonder about that, just count the verbs in the first seven verses that we're going to read. Psalm 37, 1 through 7. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb, but trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land and verily 
thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself in the Lord, also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. I love that scripture. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. The message says, verses 5 through 7, like this. Open up before God. Keep nothing back. I love that. He'll do whatever needs to be done. He'll validate your life in the clear light of day and stamp you with approval at high noon. I think that's so beautiful. There's times that I want to just boil it all down for a simple understanding. Remember who wins in the end and what I must do to obtain that win. And I think this chapter helps me with that. I'm going to very briefly speak from the book of Jonah. There's only four little chapters in the book of Jonah, very short. We're just going to hit a few of the high points in one through three, and we're going to end up in chapter four. And if I were going to put a message title on, or a title on this message, I would say, what did Jonah miss? Chapter one, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, and I'm just going to paraphrase a few of these high points to get to our location in chapter four. And you all know this story backwards and forwards since you were a child, but there's some things in here that I think we need to pay attention to. It was clear to Jonah who was speaking in the word that he received, and it was clear to him what the message was. He was to go to that great city, Nineveh, and deliver the word of the Lord to them because of their great sin, which had come up before God. But instead, Jonah rose up to flee from the presence of the Lord, and he paid a fare on a faded ship to Tarshish, a ship he wasn't supposed to be on, to go to a city he wasn't supposed to be in. But try as he did, Jonah couldn't escape from the presence of the Lord. For the Lord sent a great wind in the path of that ship that tossed it to and fro to the point that the mariners thought that the ship would break in half. And it scared them so much that they began to cry out to their false gods. Remember, Nineveh was a lost city. They were not believers. It was Jonah who was the believer. He knew what God intended for Nineveh. So the mariners got together and they cast lots. And the lots fell upon Jonah. So it exposed who the problem was, but not why Jonah was the problem. So they went to Jonah and they said, what are you doing this? Why are you doing this to us? What have we done to you 
And they were all the more afraid when Jonah fessed up and told him, told them why they were in peril. And they said, now, Jonah, what are we supposed to do with you? And of course, you know the story. Jonah manned up and he said, just throw me overboard and all will be well. They'd already lightened the ship's load to try to keep it from sinking by throwing all their gear and their wares overboard. And they had rowed with all their might. The Bible said they tried with all their might to row against the tempest, but they could not. So these unbelievers prayed to God and said, O Lord, please don't kill us for this man's blood. And they threw him overboard. And the sea became a great calm. And the seamen sacrificed unto the Lord for saving them. And still, Jonah couldn't escape the presence of the Lord. For the Lord had already prepared the fish to swallow him. My Dake's Bible calls it, God's prepared submarine. And from the depths of the whale's belly, yet again Jonah cried unto the Lord. And in chapter 2, verse 2, it confirms that the Lord heard his cry from deep within the belly of the fish, deep within the sea. (laughs) And Jonah made a vow to sacrifice unto the Lord, saying, Salvation is come from the Lord. And the Lord spoke the word to the fish and said, Swim to the shore and spit him out. And that's what the fish did. So now we've seen the true heart of Jonah and the true heart of God. For in chapter 3, again the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach the words that I will give you to say. God didn't change anything about the word. He didn't change anything about the plan. And he didn't change anything about the mission for Jonah. So Jonah went according to the word of the Lord. And when he was one day's journey into a three-day journey to reach Nineveh, he began his preaching career, crying out, In 40 days, Nineveh, you will be overthrown. And the people believed God. That's simply, the people believed God. And the king proclaimed a fast. No food, no water. Put on sackcloth and ashes from the least to the greatest in the kingdom, even including all the animals. The king of this great and sinful city cried, Cover your animals and cover yourself, and everyone turn from your evil ways, for who knows? Fall upon the mercy of God, for who knows? If God will turn away his fierce anger and spare us. In chapter 3, verse 10, God saw their works that they had turned from their evil ways, and God repented of the plan that he had to annihilate them. 
and he did it not, the Bible says, and it displeased Jonah. The very love, the compassion, the mercy and the grace of God made Jonah mad. What was it that made him so angry about God being compassionate towards the people? It was because he already knew the nature of God in his heart. For Jonah was a prophet of God. He was a believer in God. He knew the love that God had. So he knew before he went what God was going to do. And Jonah said to God, Because you've done this to me, what did he do? God did not keep the word that he told Jonah to preach to the people because his love and compassion took over because the people repented. And that's what made Jonah mad. And Jonah said, because you've done this to me, I'd rather die than to live. And the Lord said these priceless words, Doest thou well to be angry, Jonah? <laughs> Is it doing you one bit of good to be mad at me? <laughs> so Jonah stomped out of the town. We're going to get to the point here in a minute. Jonah stomped out of the town, having a little hissy fit, and he found himself a bit of shade on the top of the mountain, and he plopped down there to watch and see what would happen to the people. And still, in spite of Jonah's horrible behavior, God showed love and compassion and patience with this messenger, this messed up messenger. God prepared a gourd to grow up and provide a shade, a covering for Jonah to stay in to deliver him from his grief. And Jonah was exceedingly glad about the gourd. But God wasn't through demonstrating the depth of his love. In chapter 4, verse 7, But God prepared a worm, and it ate the gourd, and it withered away. And when the sun came up, God sent a vehement east wind, east winds meaning heat and hot, because he had more work to perform in the heart of Jonah. And because of the sun and the hot wind, Jonah fainted, and once again he said, I wish I could die. It's better for me to die than to live. Verse 9, God said to Jonah again, Doest thou well to be angry about the gourd? And Jonah said, Yes, I do well to be angry even unto death. Wow. Verse 10, Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity or appreciation on the gourd for which thou did not labor, neither did you make it grow. It came up in a night and it perished in a night. Verse 11, 
And should not I spare Nineveh? This was God's demonstration of mercy and grace for a city and a town that did not deserve it. But he said, should not I spare Nineveh, that great city wherein are more than six score thousand or 120,000 people that cannot discern their left hand from their right hand and also much cattle. I've read this story many times, but this time I really sobbed with the realization of the depth of God's love for Jonah. Surely a study in ineptness, if there ever was one. At worst, a prophet who was childish, stubborn-willed, and argumentative with God himself. He did nothing right in this story. And I think the reason it touched me so much is because I see myself in him. I see myself as a selfish, a selfish child stomping off to have a hissy fit on top of the mountain waiting to see what's going to happen to the enemy. Jonah was a Jew. He had God's heart. He had God's love. He had God's promise from the beginning. But these people were from Palestine. They were lost. They were heathen. They did not know God. And Jonah didn't love them. That was very clear. Oh, but God did. And in all their sin and all of their anti-God ways, God still loved them. And the Bible said, and even much cattle he cared about their animals, their food, their livelihood. He even loved the cows. There's not one that God doesn't love and wants to see to come to salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. In Matthew 23, 37, Jesus lamented over Jerusalem, and he said, O oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you kill the prophets and you stone them that I've sent to you. How often would I have gathered you under my wings like a chicken, but you wouldn't come. Jonah missed the most important thing in the whole story, the love and the compassion of God. He'd rather die in his own stubborn, you know, uh, pig-headedness, if you will. But in Matthew, Jesus said, like Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days, I'm going to be in the heart of the earth for three days, and I'm going to be giving the keys, given the keys of the kingdom of that grave and that hell, and I'm going to redeem you. He likened himself to Jonah, that inept clots of a prophet, if you will. 
our own Savior likened himself to him. Again in Luke chapter 11, 32, Jesus said, The men of Nineveh came to God and repented because of the words of Jonah. He recognized the effort that Jonah made even though he did it all wrong. I think if there's hope for Jonah, there might be hope for me. There might be hope for all of us who stumble along, who don't do it right, who do go to the mountaintop and pout under the leaf of a gourd and just say, well, I'm just going to sit here and wait and see what happens. That word that Jesus said, no matter how inept Jonah was, that word is recorded in history for eternity. Jesus said it because of the words of Jonah. These people believe. We read in Psalm 37 to commit thy way unto the Lord and trust in him and he shall bring it to pass it's not about our skill and we've, we've said this many times it really has not much at all to do with us it has to do with the word of God spoken and people will hear and believe rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him and fret not thyself, O oh, Jonah, if he'd only known these words, fret not thyself because of him who prospers in his way. He could have saved himself so much heartache. But thank God for his love when he least deserved it, when we least deserved it, he showed love and mercy Anyway, one of the songs that we were going to sing this morning, we kind of got a little lengthy with the number of songs, is Wonderful, Merciful Savior. I want to read you the third verse of this song. This is a very, very short song, but the words are so powerful. Almighty, infinite Father, Faithfully loving your own. Here in our weakness, you find us. Falling before your throne. Oh, we're falling before your throne. Do you feel like that this morning? In our weakness, in our ineptness, in our stubbornness, fall before his throne. Because he's a merciful, faithful father. I feel like we could sing this song in closing as a prayer. Audrey, if you don't mind, can we go ahead and sing that? Almighty, infinite father, faithfully loving your own, here in our weakness you find us falling before your throne. We're falling before your throne.
Spirit we sang about this morning. Do that work in us. Mold us, melt us, fill us and use us again, oh God. Even though Jonah messed up so much, you used his efforts, Lord. You brought the city back to God. And he was used in exile as an example of our Lord and Savior. It's only because of your redeeming qualities. You can redeem everything we do, Lord. That's why we fall at your feet. goodness and his grace.